Welcome to the 0400 Podcast, the podcast for dreamers. Good morning, fellas. Good morning. Good morning, guys. So it is March 2nd, 2022, 4 a.m., and here we are. Here we are. Circling around another podcast episode, episode number 11. Yeah. Yeah. Is that right? Around the round table. Very cool. For those who don't know or don't follow our social media, which you should, we're giving away a book bundle. Mm-hmm. And to participate in that, you have to go to our Instagram, find our most recent post, I believe. Right? Second and most recent. Second and most recent, where Spencer's talking about the book giveaway, tag a few friends, right? Mm-hmm. And follow our YouTube channel. And and if you want, it'd be nice if you go leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. You should be doing that anyways, if you could. <laughs> it helps us way more than even now. Now, please, uh, as someone who's listened to some podcasts and followed some YouTube channels, you know, we all know it's annoying to subscribe and hit the notification because they keep changing, I guess, the the way that people get information. But please do all those things that are annoying. Smash that for, like button. For our benefit now, <laughs> this time. Yeah, it really does help us out a lot. So if you could leave a review we've had some really good reviews and some great ratings recently so thank you for those who have already done it so what's going on guys what are we drinking today jacob we are drinking a sparrows coffee joven it's a burundi i don't even know how to pronounce that second burundi burundi so what do you guys taste look at the cheat code here yeah, well, me, I think me. I taste the Burundi. <laughs> Very Burundi. It tastes great, man. No, this is a great yeah. coffee. Yeah. Hints of melon, black tea, apricot, and vanilla. Uh, or do you say apricot? I can see some vanilla. I say apricot. Apricot? <laughs> apricot. <laughs> <laughs> coffee hadn't kicked in yet. No, I, I, I do taste the black tea. Almost like a almost like an English breakfast. Yes. Because mm. it's like a very mild sipper. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like really bold in a, in a good way, though. It's light. Yes. Um, but it's still a good brew, you know. So for the my tip for the average Joe, first thing I can say is if you want to improve your coffee game, just focus on getting something fresh. Whether you go to your local coffee shop, co- coffee roaster, or even just a Whole Foods, uh, the best thing you can do is just start by getting more fresh coffee. That's like 80% of the game. Mm. Because I think that part of what we do here is is going to the deeper level, right? As far as even the way we... I hope even the way we spend our money. So getting a smaller roast that's like f- fresh and I think it's just more tied a, with the farms. More tied with the farms. Like as co- long as you still drink it out of a big cup. Exactly. Uh, you ever seen these guys with the little Well, that's espresso. That's meant to be a little that sippy way. thing. Yeah, it's just it's just so it's so silly looking, isn't so it? So dainty. Yeah. yeah. Just put that I don't care if it's if it looks stupid like being a shallow coffee cup, like in a big cup. It looks better in the hand. Fair enough. It's experience, man. I love I love this coffee. This is a good one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just can't, you know, this little thing. What are we, what are we doing with that? Why is the cup so small? Come on, the Italian. What are you, a giant? Well, maybe that's one of the benefits. You feel like a giant. Yeah, it's an ego boost. Yeah. Yeah, fair. So I wanted to take a couple minutes here, and we wanted to share with you some of the stuff that's coming down the pipe. 
uh, here at the 0400 podcast. You've probably heard us mention on social media or in the podcast a couple times Valley Heart. Um, and this is the 0400 podcast is under the umbrella of the Valley Heart Adventure Company. Brent, would you like to talk a little bit about Valley Heart in, you know, because it kind of was your initial um, vision? Sure. Well, Valley Heart Adventure Company is, uh, it started as my dream and now it's become our dream company. And it's, um, it's being um, created into something spectacular, something that's going to be our own personal adventure. Uh, but what Valley Heart Adventure Company is, uh, it's, an, it's a company that creates experiences for people either through workshops or travel experiences um, and a couple other kind of community type of gatherings, things like this. Uh, we're going to have an online presence. We do have an online presence right now, valleyheartadventurecompany.com. And then we'll also have physical meetings and things like this uh, throughout the year. And the idea is to create experiences that um, capture the essence of what we explore in this podcast. So romance and adventure and waking yourself up to your life. And so um, Valley Heart Adventure Company designs these experiences that uh, help us to orient ourselves and transcend um, our small stories and awakening to the, to the larger one. And, uh, we pair that with usually beautiful scenery and, uh, really kind of unique experiences that you wouldn't just get otherwise, or, um, uh, be, I guess you could probably try to do these things on your own, but we're, but there's the communal aspect of it. So it's, it's, uh, going to have like meaningful elements and a lot of the, um, a lot of the elements that I've found to be quite useful in this way through the experiential therapy training that I've done, uh, we may pepper some of that in as well. So, um, yeah, kind of if you want to, if you really want to deep dive on who you are and what you want and where you're going and do that in an experiential way, that's, um, uh, unforgettable, uh, that's going to create a moment. That's just going to be a stake that gets thrown down into the ground that just has a flag on the top that flaps in the wind for the rest of your life. And so that, that experience is, can uh, shake you awake. It can guide you. It can be a guidepost. It can be like an altar that you build and make a sacrifice on, on your journey. Um, something as a reminder. And it's also a beacon, a homing beacon. If you ever get lost, uh, as we know, and this journey is treacherous and it's possible to get lost. So um, this is one of those things. Hey, do you remember that undeniable moment? Do you remember that undeniable experience? Um, yeah, let's go back there. So that's Valley Heart Adventure Company in a nutshell. We will this year um, be doing our first event and hopefully our first workshop in the fall. Uh, so be on the lookout for more information regarding that first event that's probably going to be happening in May. Um, and you, our listeners, are hearing about this first. So if you're interested... Uh, shoot us an email, info at valleyheartadventurecompany.com. Yeah, or go to the website. You can find a little website. bit more information there and find our email. And should we offer a teaser as to the experience? We definitely can. Let's just say we're going to go under the earth to the lowest place perhaps maybe you've ever been. And we're going to come back out and be cleansed in that process. There you go. Love it. Yeah. Valley Heart Adventure Co. And there's going to be lots of bacon. There will be lots of bacon. <laughs> lots of bacon. Well, cool. Well, welcome, y'all, to episode 11. Uh, and to kind of um, springboard off of um, Spencer's presentation last episode, what we're doing um, is we are 
exploring in a little bit more depth um, and with some intentionality, the three questions. And the first question being, who are you? So last episode, we explored identity and kind of what that means. And we went on a little bit of a walkabout, uh, kind of um, walking and talking through that. Today is question two, what do you want? And so uh, as part of this, um, I wrote an article myself uh, for to explore this question that I'm happy to read to y'all now. And you can follow along on our blog. Yes, this is at valleyheartadventurecompany.com backslash blog, B-L-O-G, uh, which is a, what does the B stand for in log? Like I know it's a log. Like a V-log of log is like a video, video log. log. Right, What's yeah. a blog? Huh. Does anyone know that? No. There you go. Here's a question you never thought would bother you until now. <laughs> I don't know, binary or something? Like some right? I thought it would be something to do with the computers or the internet, you know? Uh, anyway. Good question. I digress. So, without further ado, if y'all uh, care to listen, here is um, some thoughts around the question, what do you want? What do you want? What is desire really? Life comes at you fast. There I was, toes dangling off the end of the decaying branch. My arms shook wildly, anchored only by my white-knuckled hands, clasping for, for life to the trunk behind me. I remember my chest heaving up and down, emanating the breath of a man about to do something illogical. Something in me decided that day that normal cliff diving was not enough. No, on this day I had to climb barefoot 30 more feet up the old oak next to the cliff's edge. This is a true story, by the way. Uh, this was going to be epic, or I was going to die. Either way, there was no backing out now. We have to earn our stories. I reminded myself under my breath. To get the adventure I sought, I knew I had to let go. I knew I had to jump, come what may. Hello, jumper. I'm glad you're here. Do you know what you want? I don't mean all those thousands of things that you like. Do you know what you desire, what you've always desired? Have you noticed that thing you keep breathing for? Have you written it down? Are you pursuing it? Or are you scared stiff, avoiding it at all costs? You can't have desire without fear. If you're in the scared stiff crew, you are not alone. Take heart. Desire does not come without fear. For your fear points directly to the thing that you want most. If you didn't want it, you wouldn't be afraid of not having it, of being disappointed it will not be enough or of what people might think if they knew your desire. True desire is intimate. It's holy. And if it's true enough, it's terrifying. It's meant to be this way. The fear of your desire will reveal your character. How serious are you about what you want most? Did you know that you were born to jump, to take risk, to dream, and to do? You know, working as a psychotherapist over the years, I've explored the hearts and minds of thousands of people what I found in all of those conversations is that no matter how unique and different a person's story and makeup may be, there is a thread in each heart that is the same. That thread is desire. We are all dreaming inside. There is a sacred place inside of our hearts where we kindle the flame of intimacy, romance, risk, and adventure. You have it too. I know this is true because you are human and humans dream. The best of us carries that flame into adulthood and just lets it rip into the world. It sounds simple, but as you may painfully know by now, simple is never easy. 
Musician and beat poet Bob Dylan famously declared that every bo- every child is born knowing the truth. They just get it beat out of them by the time they're five years old. I think he's right. When was the last time you were around a toddler? They are free. They are themselves. Uh, they are relentlessly curious and playful. The world is wide open to them, and they know that they belong in it. Toddlers naturally explore the world through curiosity and play. They don't concern themselves with concepts such as their mission or purpose or God's will for them. They simply are here, present and audacious. I submit that this quality is not exclusive to toddlers. It's the design for all of us. But something in us gets lost somewhere along the journey towards adolescence and beyond. Something gets beat out of us. How did you come to find this website or this podcast? What are you looking for in its pages? I think you already know. You've been looking for it your entire conscious life. And so have I. Take a moment right now and look around. Like Seriously, right now, wherever you are listening to this, take a moment and look around you. What do you see? How did you arrive here in this place? Where are you going once you set your computer or your phone down? What is around you at this moment? Who is around you? Simply notice what you see and what you hear. Notice that life itself is moving, swirling, dancing around right now, where you are, with or without your consent. Do you feel a part of it? Are you moving with it? Or do you feel like I did for many years, like a tourist in your own life? appreciating its culture, but from the outside looking in. Now, take another moment and notice your chest. Like right now, y'all, notice your chest. Notice your breath causing your chest to rise and fall consistently, faithfully, relentlessly breathing more and more fresh air. Notice the one who's breathing, who has always been breathing, always looking, always searching, always being you. Can you notice the presence of the one breathing? How would you describe this presence? Silent? Curious? Hopeful? Afraid? How long has this one breathing been patiently waiting to be seen, to be known, to be in the game? The one breathing is you. You are life itself. Do you feel alive? You're no tourist. You're the living embodiment of God's glory, destined for adventure. As a great mentor once told me, there are some things that are too good not to be true. That's you. What do you dream about? What stirs you in that sacred place in your heart? What angers you? What makes you cry? What makes you laugh so hard that you pee your pants? Seriously, that's one of my favorites. When's the last time you did that, y'all? When's the last time you did that? This is your desire, and it must be reckoned with if you really want to live. The only other option is to kill it outright, but that's impossible. When we try to kill our desire, it will just uh, burrow further down into our deepest self where it will haunt us from the inside, causing us to do unthinkable things. I know this because it's what I did. Desire is intimate. It's vulnerable. And thus it can be excruciatingly painful if not dealt with skillfully. I tried to kill my desire because it hurt so much. Somewhere along the line, I began to believe that I'm not enough, that adventure doesn't belong to me. 
I tried to buy into the systems of this world to be a responsible citizen, a good Christian, someone who fits in. But I never fit into those systems. Instead, they fit into me, turning me into a commodity, a cog in the culture machine, and I almost died. But my desire never did. It haunted me from the inside. Do you know that you are a jumper? That's who you are. If you don't jump, you will fall, which is not the same. So take another breath, deep and true. Take a deep breath, y'all. Just feel it. Notice where it goes. Let that fresh oxygen find its way to your core. Let it wash you from the inside, exposing the wounds, the lies, the electricity, the butterflies. Will you let your toes dangle off the proverbial edge again? Are you willing to let go and be free? There might be a little dust on the throttle of your desire, but that's okay. We know how to crank it up again. We can't do it for you. You hold the only key, but we can show you how. So I ask, what do you want? What have you always wanted? And what are you willing to do to have it? Do you want to live, and I mean live on full tilt? Good. Come with us. So good. Dude. Golly, man. Yeah. Well, good day, guys. That's it. <laughs> That's All right. It. Ta-ta. Bro. That literally could just be its own thing. Yeah. I feel like I was channeling the legendary Jocko Willink there. Good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. <laughs> Love that. You, you can tell he really enjoys the way he, he like his voice sounds. Oh yeah. He please like plays <laughs> with it. Good. <laughs> it feels good, man. That was a performance. Dude, that was beautiful. That was fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So just exploring this idea of what do you want? Have you really thought about that? What do you want? And is that a true desire? Is it yours? You know, what do you want? What's your dream? So I was going to talk about, you know, until we decided to talk about your article, which was, I think, the best move. I was, I was thinking about perception. And we're thinking about, like, what do you want? You have to first pay attention, right? That's kind of an epiphany as I've been, for those who personally know me, I have a relatively new puppy. And so going through the training process of taking like an eight week old puppy and then like having it focus and loose leash walk and not pee in the house and, you know, to be able to respect my authority. There's in the dog training community, there's a ton of different, um, there's a spectrum of like, people think it's like about control and alpha, you know, you got to alpha the dog. It's like very macho. There's some like level of like, you have to be a leader. And there's some who are just like, no, it's almost like parenting. Really. It's like some people are like, you got to spank and other people are like, you can't touch your kid. You can't just let them do their own thing. And then there's the op opposite side where people are just like, just positive reinforcement. I fall in between the middle. I do both just based off my dog's personality. And why I bring that up is because I've realized with kids and with dogs, it's the same thing when they're young. Like this puppy is just unbridled energy. And all you're doing with like food and reinforcement 
is you're making it pay attention. It's not about like controlling the dog and making it just fear you. Actually, the whole idea of the alpha is really just the alpha is actually like the the uh, father figure dog is actually what that actually is. It's not like this big machismo dog is going to like destroy the other dogs. It's really the leader of the pack that's respected. And so ultimately, you're just trying to gain the dog's respect by showing I love and care for you. And I'll help kind of guide you through all the different contexts of, of living with me, right? So it's like an earned mutual respect. I just bring that up because it's like, it's so interesting. I'm just, I'm teaching my kids, I'm teaching my dog to pay attention, to just focus because it's all in bridal energy. And I think at the core of finding what do you want, you have to first be able to train yourself to perceive similar like a dog or like a, a human, you know, it's like you have to first be able to pay attention. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. That absolutely makes sense. I mean, I think that we sort of touched on this last week or last podcast where, you know, advertisements and marketing and just the way our world is set up for, for good and bad, you know, it's how our economy runs, but we're constantly told that we need or want things like, like we're sold the problem and the solution um, to all of our issues. And a lot of times what we are shown via marketing or we're shown via just like pure consumption of all the multitudes of mediums of, you know, communication nowadays is that there's more that you want. There's always that one more thing that if you just had that, that would kind of stoke the, the, that would kind of the old, if then exactly, yeah, exactly. It's like, if I had this, then I could be happy. Yeah. If I had this, then I could have what I want. I would be, I would have arrived. I will arrive if yeah. I have this. And sometimes that's actually true. Oh yeah. Uh, for, maybe for a short period of time. But I, th- yeah. And I agree with that. I mean, but I think that once again, you don't know that until you've, until you've cultivated that ability to perceive and to pay attention. Um, to what's really happening inside. I, I know that in my own story, we talked about this at once again, I think it was last podcast about the music journey. You know, I thought that I wanted to be a rock star. I thought my desire, and once again, I, I, I justified it with all sorts of, um, good intentions and things like that. I really wanted to make a difference. I really wanted to, you know, be a light. I really want to do all this thing. But at the end of the day, I don't think that was my true desire. And and you, uh, you are, whether or not you got the notoriety and the recognition that you were, were after, uh, you're an incredible performer, singer, writer. I mean, y'all have heard his silky voice on this podcast. And so, I mean, I think that, I think that's an interesting part of it too. It's like, well, I, Hey, I have this talent. It must be God's will for me. Right. When in fact, He's American Idol has exposed this, uh, that singing is actually, uh, unfortunately for me, cause I can't, uh, do it very well, but singing is actually pretty commonly distributed mm-hmm. as a thing that people can do. And I think that you're exactly right, but I, th- and I think the difference sort of like in, in our true dreams, 
we've talked about the idea of being, of there being true dreams, right? Ones that are rooted in who we are truly, um, passion, sort of the dream that is actually like the one that's the, the vein running through the thread of our story and the ones that are kind of whispered to us. I think the same thing is true with desire. And I believe that my dream to be a rock star was actually rooted in insecurity rather than my values and rather than who I could become, yeah. you know, because I, I think that at the end of the day, um, it was all based off of lies that I had told myself and been told by the world. And so I got there, I was living that out and I was miserable because I realized that the, what my desire, the, the desire that I was at the core of me was not being fulfilled. And so I had to reckon with that, the thing that I'd poured all my time and Which energy was, into. What was the desire deep down that was unfulfilled at the core? I, I, I'm still exploring that, you know, mm-hmm. I'm still exploring that. Yeah. But I think honestly, it's, it's living a full life. Um, that is the, I, I was thinking through this question. What do you want a few months ago? I texted you guys this, um, and I, now I'm paraphrasing cause I can't remember exactly what it is, but it's like, I want to live a life that's rooted in my values and my desires rather than rooted in my insecurity and, uh, what was the other word I used? I don't know. It's in my phone, but the phone's being used. But the idea being that I think it was, I was coming at the desire backwards. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like the desire's here and you can get to it via value and via meaning yeah. and via integrity and via all this sort of things, or you can come and be sort of warped by insecurity and selfishness. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's where I feel like I was in my story. And it wasn't until I began to really pay attention to even how my body was feeling in 2018 when I couldn't, like, I felt sick all the time. You know, I was hungry all the time. I was like, my appetites couldn't be quenched. I wasn't sleeping well. And I started to really kind of dive into the fact that maybe what I'm doing, yeah, the alarms are going off. The alarms are going off. I'm like, what is going on? Why, why does this feel this way when I'm getting to, Oh, live Hey, my you dream? just need a different workout plan, you know, exactly. Just, yeah. Hey, just try laying off the sugar and you know, stuff like that. It was so interesting. The moment we, we Sydney and I played our biggest show yet and, and got to open up for like a really huge artist. And we looked at each other after the show was over and it was in our eyes that we were done. Wow. You know, and it was it wasn't until we allowed ourselves the space and the opportunity and permission to begin paying attention and perceiving what was really going on that we were able to move out of that and move forward with our life. It hasn't been perfect, but we're still it's better than it was, you know. So I have a question that someone asked me that that's a really good question in regards to how does one try to answer this question? What do you want? Because we've seen, personally, in 0400, people get caught up on the three questions. I feel like most people, actually, like the barrier to entry, if they can get here at 4 o'clock, the next barrier is answering the question. Because it's so simplistic, but yet so daunting. And I know that, and how I explained it was like, 
we all answer the questions differently, which is nice. Some might be more ethereal up here, like heady stuff. And for me, some of the, the questions were, were pragmatic, right? But for this question of what do you want, how do you ensure that you answer it appropriately, like with the core of the values, as opposed to it getting into consumeristic and just like a, a boiled down vision board, right? Does that make sense? Yeah. That was fascinating when we were doing these questions and we, we did them all separately and we came together and we're reading them and exploring them together and how all of us answered them from a different angle. Mm-hmm. But it all, it all went deep and it was simple. I remember, I think it was yours, yeah. your first one, your first answer on who I am I was I'm Brent. And that's how someone would ask, would answer that if like, who are you? You know? Yeah. Uh-huh. But then there's more to that, Right. And then we've had a lot of other people that have come in to the group for a time that haven't been able to, or, or at least like, there's always like, well, how am I supposed to answer this question? You know? And it's very complicated. It's very, very complicated. So that's a good question, Jake. I don't, I, I think you have to just start by answering it because yeah. I think some people get, get caught up and just, there's no wrong answer and you have to understand that it's going to evolve. Sorry. Yeah. Brent. Yeah. I would say it's not. It's not so much a riddle to be solved. Uh, I would say that you already know. The disconnect usually comes and you may not know that you know. It may be it may not be conscious. But it's in there. You already know it. Um and so I would liken this to like Michelangelo chipping away at the the block that became David is you just start chipping it away. And he didn't, like he had a, an idea on what David, what he wanted David to look like, or maybe what David d- did look like underneath all that stone. Uh, but the only way to find it is he just started chipping away. So I think this is one of those things, just like jujitsu, the only way you can learn it is to do it. And you have to be willing to be the fool in order to become the master. Only the fool that doesn't quit becomes a master. You have to be willing to get it wrong. So... Just like we talked about with with identity, you know, who are you? Um, we're likely going to be incorrect or wrong or not the full picture, not the full truth every time we answer that. But we get more and more, clo- we get closer and closer. We get more and more true uh, to the thing. So I would say that's true with de- with desire. Is even though both of us in hindsight have realized that we've had counterfeit dreams, um, I don't regret pursuing them, really. Because it dropped me where I am now, and and by the grace of God, I'm here now. And so I've been able to experience redemption in in my healing journey. And once you have redemption, then as far down as as Carl Jung would say, as far down into the into the darkness, into the depths that your roots have been able to to stretch and to reach, um, when you experience redemption, then you experience that living water that goes through those roots. And that creates an even taller, the farther down into the darkness you've been able to go, uh, the taller the tree can become, uh, the more nutrients it can absorb, and the more uh, people and, I guess, animals in this way it can bless, the more fruit it can bear. Uh, And so I would say, yeah, uh, you already know what you want. You may just not know that you know that. And also, just give your best answer and go for it. Because that's your training program, mm-hmm. and follow your conscience when you because you, it's gonna it's gonna thrust you into an adventure which is gonna have all sorts of confusion and bewilderment and 
and excitement and thrill and distraction and everything else. And of course, treachery. So follow your conscience as you're doing that. That's, that's a big lesson from my experience is I did not, I didn't, and I've, I've paid dearly for that. Um, and so follow your conscience. And then also, I think there's an interesting conversation. I haven't really articulated this yet. I'm still kind of chewing on it, but, um, this idea of passion. So I've always, considered myself like I'm a passionate person I'm a person of passion and it's been one of my it's been something I've been very proud about about me uh and I'm beginning to be uh dubious let's say about that word passion um found out recently in some reading that I was doing that the root word of passion is the same root word as suffering so they're synonymous suffering is passion passion is suffering what does that mean and I think it's the Greek definition that, did, that does that. Mm-hmm. And so um, what does that mean, that passion is suffering? And basically, which is why, by the way, compassion means to suffer together yeah. or to suffer with. Um, and so that was a big clue right there. But what does that mean, that passions are suffering? What are you talking about? Now, we've talked a lot about suffering in this podcast, but there's so many um, voices in our culture, let's say, that are telling us that to glorify our passions because if you can show enough enthusiasm and charisma and energy, then we're going to applaud you and buy what you, and we're going to buy what you're selling. Uh, but that's charisma and that's enthusiasm. That's energy. We love those things. Um, but also as we're exploring what it means to truly dream, I think there is a caution in the wind about be careful about what you're passionate about and for because those passions can quickly become all-consuming. They can become distracting. They can become, I think this is the root of what idolatry is, is you become so impassioned by something or some person or some idea that that's where you stay on the hierarchy of like Dante's mountain, I guess, of cosmic reality. So yeah, I, I would say I'm just starting to play around with that idea, but passion is good because God created it. Um, I would say that God's a passionate lover, maybe, uh, passionate about his kingdom and his children. He literally suffered for us. Yeah. So, so it's not wrong, but I think it's, it's something that we got to be careful about. So, oh, oh, go ahead, Spence. I just wanted to touch, I love that you brought up the metaphor of the tree, you know, Carl Jung's tree. This was really interesting. I was just recently in, um, in Louisiana. I went down to New Orleans to compete. We stayed with some friends in a town called Mandeville, and this is a town that gets hit by these hurricanes a lot. It's right off the lake, um, like Pontchartrain, I think is what it is. And uh, I was talking to my friend down there, and he was talking about there are these. There's this type of tree. I think it's a water oak that grows to be. I mean, it's an oak. It's huge, but the root system is very shallow, and so. In the right conditions, they can grow to be very big, but the minute a strong wind, the the minute Hurricane Ida comes through, those trees fall down. And so I think that that can also be representative of our our desire in the sense that if it's not rooted in truth, it may look like it's coming to fruition in a powerful way, but it's not strong. It's not rooted in the ground in a way that makes it sustainable. And I, I almost like tie that back into my, my time in the music industry because like 
on the outside, I, I was living my dream. Everything was growing. Everything was flourishing. We Things were moving forward. and But it wasn't rooted in the truth about who I am and what I really desired and what I really wanted. So the minute things started, like, there, the, once there was some shaky ground, it was exposed to be not real to me, you know? Yeah. And so I think that you're right. You have to be willing to face the shadow and go down into the depths to grow the roots that allow true desire and true identity to grow. And that's how you find, that's how you find the living water. Mm. You have, well, you don't have to do this, but this is the invitation is reaching down and, you know, into that mystery, Mm. into that darkness where things are dark and confusing and heavy and strange animals are down there and stuff like that. And we face who we really are. Yeah. Which is, can be terrifying. Now, a lot of people, a lot of trees in this way, people um, start that process and they don't find the water. So the tree dies. Mm. Some, and eventually that tree falls over or there's just a stump left behind. So I think the tree stump is a good picture maybe of the some, of someone who deconstructs everything, takes it all apart, but never finds the living water that pushes them bas- back up to the surface. So what I would ask those who are listening would be if you're truly curious about answering these questions and to define your dreams more and to pursue them and to materialize them. If you haven't already written down, like, who are you with the last episode? Go ahead and do that and try to answer it. And then try to answer what do you want next? Like, And again, just try to answer it whatever seems most true at the time it's probably going to change and that's good right it's showing evolution even us what we wrote down mm-hmm. a year or two ago i think that a lot of that stuff has changed or a lot of it has already materialized which is great and then now that is our that ceiling is now our floor that we yeah, keep building and upon. Think, right? and i think maybe like you said a year or two ago when we, when we did this exercise for the first time ourselves um Maybe some of that information has changed, and but maybe some of that information was causal in the change. Like it was the fact of getting it wrong or sitting down and getting it wrong or not exactly right, but we're trying, uh, planted seeds that we wouldn't have otherwise planted if we didn't try. Yeah. yeah. And in, those, in answering that question, I would say I try to have like a deconstructionist mentality. Think about like a toddler. They're, they will ask why about something that you were like so solidified on that you knew so well. You'll say something like, oh yeah. Um, why is the sky blue? Yeah, that, that tree's like really big. You know, it's, it's, it, its root system is shallow. And they'll be like, well, why? Um, because that's how the, the type of tree grows. Well, why? And then like it's very soon because after. Because I said so. <laughs> yeah, that's where I, because I said so comes into play. But genuinely, there's things that you can say, and until it's questioned, you you really get to the heart of it. Like, man, I I really don't know the answer to that question. Mm-hmm. I would take the same perspective in answering, "What do you want?" Because if you feel, I think a lot of people might start answering it and feel like it's just becoming a vision board. Like, well, I want to, you know, have multiple streams of income and a nice house, and that can quickly become just feeling shallow and 
I think if you're starting to hit that vein of it doesn't feel true and you're not sure where to go, deconstruct it. And I think it'll help you get to the deeper places of like, okay, I want multiple streams of income. Well, why do you want multiple streams of, of income? Yeah. Well, I saw my dad lose his job when growing up. Uh, and, and I don't want to be in that situation. Well, why don't you want to be in that situation? Because I want financial freedom. Well, why do you want financial freedom? Because I want to be able to support my family and the things that I want to do and, and my values. And, and I want to be able to have the monetary reasons to do so. That's my, that's my why is like, I'm investing in, in doing all these things now. And for some people, it might just look like I'm just trying to build wealth to be consumeristic, but ultimately like it's rooted. I know what I'm doing it for and it's for legacy and it's to take care of those that I feel like can't take care of themselves and be able to continue to be charitable. And at the end of the day, I can, I can fuel my drive knowing that it's in its right place. Yeah. Because it's rooted in something true and good. Yes. And I think that's the importance is, is that when you start to ask why you want a particular thing, you have to be willing to face your selfishness and you have to be willing to shave off the things that don't match who you want to be. The, the mirages, the right? The mirage. Yeah. yeah. It's because as we're exploring, as we're asking why, we're eventually going to come to a question that's either rooted in the truth or rooted in something that is false or, or not, or good and not good. And I mean, that's or, or some, even 99% true. Yep. Yep. Or even 99% With that true. 1%. Yep. Fly in the ointment or crack that the light comes through. Yep. I, I love that. I, you were talking about, you know, deconstruction and you were talking about, um, you know, questioning things. And I, this is the perfect time for me to drop in. I'm reading the brothers Karamazov again by Dostoevsky. I say I'm reading it again. I've gotten like my 30. boy's wicked smart. Make it smart. Um, and I, I, I say I'm reading it. I'm 30 pages in. I have not had time to read like I normally do, which is always a, a, a canary in the coal mine for me that I need to slow down. But um, in one thing that Dostoevsky does very well is we know Dostoevsky's position. He was an Orthodox Christian, right? And so he had this view. He was kind of pushing back on the prevailing view of the day that was starting to come up the nihilism all these sorts of things that were questioning our our meaning our place in the world as human beings and he creates characters that are very very strong characters he 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 reserves the strongest characters for those that think differently than him in real life and he writes them in a way where at the end it's almost like an, a debate going on through story where at the end of the book you have your answer, right? And he hopes, or maybe not even hopes, he's trying to create the strongest counter character to what he believes in order to solidify his actual position. And yeah. so he steel mans this, this thing that he disagrees with in reality to as almost like a litmus test for the truth of what he believes. He tries to break it down, yes. right? He tries to like see the other side and look at the mechanism of that, of fiction, I mean, look what he's doing. He's using his imagination to create various perspectives or expressions, personalities, characters, so that they can talk to each other and therefore dialogue to find a truth. This is the dialectic method. Mm -hmm. Isn't that interesting? Because that's what children do with imaginary friends. I think and, that you should do that yourself when answering this question is like build almost that, that opposite of you and try to disconnect yourself from the process of 
maybe build this character in your mind of a manager or a boss or maybe a therapist where you can, you feel like you can trust this person, but this person isn't going to take any BS and it's going to sit down with you and ask you that persona in your mind, what do you want? Well, I want this. And when it starts to hint that there's some BS in there, it's going to be like, come on, come on. This is what I would argue thinking is. It's a dialogue between various parts of yourself grasping at something, trying to integrate and, and grasp some, something greater than the parts. I think that's what, I think that's what consciousness is. Whether or not we ascribe to it, and we're not taught. We're, when, once we get to school, we're kind of taught not only what to think, but also in some ways how to think, or how really kind of how not to think. And so, um, this idea of like unlearning is a big deal once you're an adult. How to unlearn things, and it's kind of po- impossible kind of you can't unsee what you see you know so unlearning is more about um making different decisions i think but yeah i I think one of the things that helps with fleshing out what do you want is i think maybe one way to get to a truer answer maybe is what do you want and then you you have an answer and then a second our follow-up question would be what what does that thing get you What's it going to bring you? So somebody says, I want to be rich. So you want money. Okay. So I'm going to give you enough of these pieces of paper. Is that what you want? Well, of course not. Nobody just wants to sleep on top of a pile of money and not spend it or or anything like that. Uh, Unless it's like a cartoon. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But he spends it. He just has so much. Uh, Anyway. Yeah. So what is the thing going to bring you? So for me, I wanted to be a rock star. I wanted to be a famous drummer and and be revered and live this radical kind of unique life and be admired for my audacity. Um, I have done enough work now and, and have had enough healing and hindsight and redemption to see, I think, the truth or a truer thing now is that uh, I think my wound was loneliness. And I, and I created... Um, I imagined and created, and it was also suggested to me. It's not like I created the archetype of the rock star. I was seeing it everywhere, and these guys had amazing lives. Why wouldn't I want to do that? I worshipped them. Why wouldn't I want to become what I worship? Mm-hmm. And, uh, but really, I think it was a sophisticated cover, smokescreen, rabbit trail, wild goose chase. Let's say. To, to mask my loneliness because if I was a rock star, if then, if, if only I was a rock star, then, um, then I would, I would be, I would belong. I would, I would be revered. People would want to, um, just be, be in my presence. And even just saying it out loud, exposing it now is so, it's so embarrassing to acknowledge, uh, but it's the truth. It's the truth. Um, so what do you want? And then what does that thing get you? Because I would say that now you're drilling into a deeper layer of what you actually are talking about. Um, similar to, and I'm, I'm kind of pulling this from uh, Dr. Gabor Mate, a great book he wrote called the, uh, In the Realm of Hungry Ghosts. And uh, a little bit about his story is uh, he is a medical doctor that worked in um, palliative care. So people dying uh, in, I believe it was in Vancouver maybe. Um, worked in this hospital and worked many, many years um, doing this. And he, he considers himself to be a, a recovering workaholic. So um, he, he kind of uses some of that language. Um, but he never did like a 12-step movement or something like that. Uh, anyway, he was ushering people to their deaths um, over and over, years and years in. Uh, and there was some 
moving around in the management of the hospital and they, and they have a wing there in Vancouver. Uh, drug addiction is a big deal, especially opiates. Um, and so he, uh, so they had a opening in the, the wing of the hospital that is for people with debilitating addiction. And so he just took the job, um, without any kind of specialized training in it. And so he came at it with, from the eyes of a healer, um, but he came at the, the program or the, the recovery movement from with fresh eyes. And so he has this interesting perspective about it. And one of the things that he says, or one of the things he learned in that process is, um, as he was exploring, like, what, what is this thing that, that is addiction? Um, and one of the things he would say is he'd be working with like a, a heroin addict or something like that. And, um, he would ask the addict, um, you know, um, so what's your issue? And they would say, I, I just can't stop using heroin. And, and he would, he would take their answer kindly, but he all, but he wouldn't accept it. It's not the deepest answer. So he, he would say, okay, what does the heroin get you? What does it bring you? What does it do for you? Oh, I just feel peace. And I just feel connected. Ah, so you don't have a heroin problem. You've got a problem with connecting to your peace. So why don't we start there? Mm. And so the addiction is oftentimes a symptom of a deeper issue. So I kind of, I think those things are in similar camps in regards to exploring the question of what do you want? What do you want? And then what does that thing get you? Mm. What does it bring you? So for me, I, I think if I were to reverse engineer it, it, it seems to be true. And maybe ask me in five years, we might have more, um, more of an answer, but I, I think I, I think what I was what I wanted was to become a rock star. But what I really wanted was to be connected and to be and to belong and, and to be a, to be admired. Yeah, wow. and now you're here where you're connected and you belong and you're admired. Totally, I'm so glad that I didn't get what I wanted, what I thought I wanted. Yes. I'm not sure. I'm not sure I would have survived it. Honestly, I don't think that the human soul is built for fame especially that kind of fame. Um, we, we saw it in, I mean, you see it in, in the stories of all these rock stars too, and actors and the people that get everything they want and are still miserable. Mm-hmm. What everything they want, I have to put in quotation marks um, because I think you're right. I think that when you drill down deep enough, there's a wound that we're all seeking to like put a, put a salve on, you know, to ease the pain of that wound. And we can attempt to do that many different ways, but a lot of times it's just a cover up of the symptoms rather than a healing of the root of the issue. And that is for me, like you were saying, you know, loneliness. I think for me, it was something very similar. I felt alone in the world. I felt like no one understood me. It was always kind of like a, sensitive kid um got bullied a bunch for being sensitive and being overweight when i was a kid you know but so for me it was part of it was like i'm gonna prove them i'm gonna prove them wrong and part of it was i also am cripplingly lonely because i feel like no one is no one understands because you were surrounded by people surrounded by like great people weren't you yeah and the same was true for me so when i when i start talking about loneliness some people are like "What? what are you talking about well, have you ever been lonely in a room full of people? Mm. Have you ever been lonely in here? Like disconnected from 
yourself. Or like, as I said in that article, feel like a tourist in your own life. Yeah. Like I'm here, but I'm not really here. I'm just kind of witnessing. And I think that we also need to explore with this idea of desire, as we did with identity, that which transcends us as well. Because I think there's a, if I can go back to Dostoevsky just for a second, um, with the idea of congruence, right? Like lining up, like things lining up in your life with who you are, what do you want, where are you going? Um, but it's also you're lining up with something truer and beyond you, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Dostoevsky in Crime and Punishment. And I encourage everyone probably had to read this in high school, and I guarantee you that probably 90% of the people that listened are Spark listening notes. to this. Spark notes this book. Yeah. But it's time as an adult to go back and read this because it is it is almost unbelievable. It is unbelievable how this man wrote this work, but crime and punishment. Um, he create he sets up just like we talked about this perfect justification to commit murder, right? And the main character has every justification to commit this murder. The person who he's planning to murder is truly evil, uh, does nothing but take from the world and hurt other people. Um. He's able to get away with the murder, and he wanted to. He wanted to do this to, uh, to also protect his family because I think one of the people in his family owed this person some money. So there's like the good reason, um, and that was a desire of his was to protect his family and also to protect the world, right, from this evil person. Every justification, the guy commits the murder, gets away with it, and his he still rots from the inside out. Mm. He still rots from the inside out. And so it's like you can get even the thing you want mm-hmm. in the wrong way in that sense. And because it doesn't line up with whatever's right. higher or what's That's truer right. and transcends us, there's going to be like an inner rot. This, is the, this makes me think of Kurt Cobain every time. I know I keep mentioning him. I'm a child of the 90s after all. And he's one of the coolest dudes of that decade, in my opinion. But yeah, he got everything he wanted, right? I mean, he... Fame, stardom, celebrity, he's living his dream, you know, he's he's skating across the world, man. Uh, but perhaps it wasn't what he, was, what he wanted. He was either very ill, and that's certainly a case that's been made, um, which has a lot of credence, likely. Um, and also, it could be something like he didn't find what he wanted. Like all that fame and glory wasn't the thing. He was still rotten or hollow from the inside. Well, I mean, if you look at all the statistics, right? Anxiety, depression, suicide is all, they're all increasing as like more people are being pulled out of poverty every year, you know, at unprecedented rates. Our like basic living standards are improving. And we have access to things that we never had access before, but yet we see all these really, really big warning signs just increase even more with anxiety, depression, and suicide. And I would be remiss to think that that doesn't have to do with purpose and loneliness, you know? Like how many people just give up because, or they feel overwhelmed because they don't know where to begin. Yeah. Well, you've already begun. You're breathing, aren't you? 
So you're already in the game, whether you know it or not. You're already in the arena, whether you know it or not. So you, it would it would behoove you to wake up because it's dangerous in here. You know, what do you want? Uh, we talked about last week, I think it was last week, but it was certainly in this podcast and, and mentioning it in the article today, um, that if you don't know what you want, one, I don't believe you, but I believe that you believe you. Uh, but as you pursue that answer, you start pulling the thread, right? That unravels the thing. Um, what are you afraid of or what do you not want? Maybe that's a place to start. Usually we can pick those out pretty quickly. What are you afraid of or what do you not want? Great. You can reverse engineer that. Mm. You're still st- you're still talking about your desire. Yeah, I think we talked about the maybe on this podcast or just in 0400 in general. No, I think it was on this podcast that like fear still is a, in what you're afraid of. What you don't want can help you still verbalize your desires. Yeah, and if I can offer something here too, again, something I'm chewing on, which is why I love this podcast. It's we, I, it's kind of exciting to just throw stuff out in real time, like with people watching. Usually I'll do this in my journal privately and then I'll put my thoughts together and then I'll present it to somebody and there's value to that. But I also really enjoy this part. Um, well, one of the things that I was thinking about is this idea of rest. I think, because I'm reading in Hebrews right now and it, uh, it talks a lot about this idea of rest and the story of the Exodus and the story of um, the promised land and uh, all the meaning behind all of that. Like, and then God delivers rest to people and God himself rests on the seventh day and like built that into the design for us. Um, but most of the time when people think of rest is certainly in our culture and um, I love the word that you use. I mean, I love the word, but it's so perfect. Uh, hustle porn, <laughs> uh, culture that rest is, uh, scoffed at it's mocked, uh, or sleep is considered total waste of time. It's like, um, not productive, which is ass backwards. Everything comes from rest. And there's a great book, uh, Dalton Smith, Tina, Tian. Anyway, Dalton Smith is her last name. And she, uh, wrote a book called sacred rest and it talks about these seven layers of rest and don't need to get into it all now, but basically sleep is what most people think of. And that's rest for the body. Uh, that's like one of the lower forms of rest. Um, there are deeper forms of rest spiritually that you can tap into that. Uh, it's like they have like atomic energy as opposed to running on gasoline, which is like, you kind of, this is a stupid analogy, but you fought, you know, you give yourself a nap and then you kind of fill your tank with gas and that's going to last you maybe the afternoon when you tap in spiritually, then you get that nuclear nuclear power. Did I say that right? Nuclear? Yeah. <laughs> I just did that George Bush thing. Uh, <laughs> nuclear, nuclear. Um, anyway. Nu- nuclear. Nuclear. Um, just like apricot. <laughs> yeah. Apricots are my favorite. Yeah. You're not going to fool me again. <laughs> um, anyway, um, rest, man. I would say that if I can be so bold from a, a spiritual and from a, a macro perspective an objective perspective, if I can be so bold to assume one, uh, that I believe that what we're all after is rest and belonging. It, it's what we, it's what we were wired and designed for. Uh, and 
something happened a long time ago that's fractured our DNA or our experience uh, of this place. And rest is now something that is really hard to find. Mm. So I would say whatever your dream is, I would say in order for it to be fully actualized, um, I would say the a necessary thing to find in there is rest, whatever that means. And there's rest for the mind, the body, and the spirit. So play is rest. Getting together with friends is, can be rest. Um, reading a book at home can be rest. Playing with your dog, whatever. It, a lot of it can be rest. Creating, creating, tinkering. Um, anyway, yeah, I think if you are truly serious about your dreams and what you want, um, if you don't have that piece, if you don't find the rest piece, uh, hold on, man. It's going to it's gonna shake you up. I remember what I was going to say earlier, and I think it ties back into this, is my desire is to live my life governed by my loves and values rather than my fears and insecurities. Mm-hmm. I do think that insecurity and fear can be a powerful tool in helping you realize what you love and value. Uh, I'm not saying there's no use for that, but I am saying to be governed by my fears and insecurities, even if it go, even if it's that water oak, right? And, and I get to what I want. I get to it from the wrong direction. Um, and so I want that to, I want there to be that governance by love and value, uh, because I know that the process, the journey will be fulfilling as well. And I think you're right about rest. Um, because I think here's here's an interesting dream for me, dream of mine. And I actually put this on my bio on our website is I want to rest in the shade of trees that I plant. Mm. You know, like, come on, dude, like trees are one of those things that it's like the ultimate long term investment. If I were to buy a plot of land and plant a live oak my great, great, great grandchildren would get to see the majesty of that tree, mm-hmm. you know, because they grow so long and so big. It's like the old cathedrals. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's and like generations. Good grief. In Mandeville a couple weeks ago as well, there's this oak that, you know, it's probably 400 something years old just sitting there by the, by the water. I'm like, what has this thing seen? What has it experienced? Um, and I would have I said that I would love to have money so I could buy a plot of land to plant trees. Like that's always been a dream of mine is to have land with, with fruit trees and with like, but now I know that it's not, it's not just about the money for me. It's not, the money's not the issue. It's the rest. The rest is what I desire. Yeah. The rest is to go sit under the tree and just like think and have the time and space to do that, to create enough margin in my life where, where, I can go just rest and be in the presence of God and talk to myself and, you know, and be there in those moments. And I think that that's where you start to dig deep into true desire is when you see like, what do I value? Well, I value being awake to my life. I value having the space to be able to do the things that bring me peace and rest and joy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not, I'm afraid I'll never have that. And so I'm going to grind my way there. It's like, I love and I value this. And that's why I'm working towards that. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. One of the, 
one of the advantages of doing psychotherapy is you, you get an inside window into a lot of different people's lives, uh, of course. And I'm telling you what, man, the grass is not greener on the other side. Do not be fooled. Don't be fooled. Uh, I meet on a daily basis with people who on paper have checked a lot of boxes as far as worldly success. And they've got the farm with the fruit trees and that kind of thing. And, but they can't get themselves, or even if they try, to sit under it. You know, They have all those things, but they're not content. Like they're, they're not able to experience them. They're not able to benefit from the fruit of their labor beyond uh, accolades and worldly recognition. Um, and I think that's an important thing that should haunt us in a good way is, you know, what are you after and how do you define success? I think that's an important question. Like what does success mean to you? It, and my 20 year old's going to answer that question a certain way. My 30 year old's going to answer that question a certain way, 40, 50 on, and on. And then I think ultimately the highest perspective for me is I try to imagine myself as a hundred. We've talked about this. What does success mean to that guy? Um, that's probably the truest answer I can think, think of. And can we grasp that? Can we borrow from our future wisdom using our imagination? Ooh, that's good. Borrow from our future wisdom. Can one of the people at the council, if, if, if really thinking is about have like a round table within yourself um, of, you know, you've got, you know, you've got your dreamer self, you've got your, your, um, you've got your like manager self. That's really good at organizing things. You've got your part of yourself. That's like your inner child. You've got I mean, a host of characters around that table. It's a fellowship. And then you sit down as the, I don't know what analogy you want to use, but you sit down as the king or the, the CEO of that boardroom or whatever. You sit down and you say, okay, all right, y'all, I got 15 minutes, busy man doing big things, um, but this is a really important meeting. Thank you for coming. I really appreciate your input. At the end of this, I'm, I'm going to make a decision, but I'm, but I'm going to benefit from each of y'all's opinions. So let's go around the room. All right, shame guy, uh, what do you think? Uh, inner child, what do you think? Um, you know, dreamer, what, what do you say about this? Thank you for all your counsel. I may or may not agree with you, but this actually helps me to um, synthesize the information in a way that's, that I now know what to do. Appreciate y'all. I'll be back next time. Have some donuts. <laughs> yes. Uh, can I talk so about... The, can the future self be that guy too? Can, I, can there be like an old wispy man over there in the corner drinking some coffee that makes the spoon stick straight up? Could, could I add one thing just on top of that before? Yeah. Um, this is very, very quick. I think it's, I think we discount the profundity. Good word. Of Alexa, define profundity. <laughs> we discount how profound it is to, like, you know, they, they talk about, uh, I've seen videos and, and articles. What do people wish they'd done different on their deathbed? Uh -huh. You know, and that's almost become a cliche now, but I think we discount how profound that is because it's never the answer that we're living out right now. Yeah. Like the answer they give is never what we're going to spend our day doing today. Usually. It, it's usually the same answer that like a five-year-old would give. Mm, yep. Just want to hang out with my friends. Yeah. Play. So what if we started to live that way? Knowing that that's the truth of what we'll wish we'll have then. Why do we waste so much time on frivolity? And I'm not talking about like, like energetic play for like, like fun. I'm talking about like yeah. meaninglessness 
and stuff that just does not add. Uh, I think I think we discount how profound those conversations are at our own peril. You know, that's all I wanted to say. Yeah, well, to that point, I've had to say recently no to a lot of things that I've wanted to do, in the necessity of thinking about legacy and like what what am I gonna want to what am I gonna say on my deathbed? You know, and it's gonna be I wish I spent more time with my kids, and like true connection with friends. Like those are the real things that matter. And right now, obviously I have to support myself and my family. So like that's priority number one. And this is priority, you know, up there. This is up there too, Mm -hmm. this podcast. But then the rest of that is like space for genuine connection. Um, That's where I find rest. What I was going to say to you though, that when we did EMDR and you kind of guided me through that, we... You, I don't know if you do that with all your clients. I don't know if I'm giving away part of the sauce, so I apologize. But uh, you said to build, like, imagine that we're, I'm coming to like a boardroom of these people that I respect. And like, they can hold different uh, competencies. So I remember like, there's a guy that I follow who is just a rags to riches kind of guy. Like, just get it done. Like, no matter what, I'm going to make sure that this gets done and I'm going to be successful. Like, just a grinder. A guy who's, like, very highly analytical in the startup game but is is really profound. Jordan Peterson and, like, a few other people. Um, and you said to, like, to think about those people. I think even my mom was there. Uh, to think about those people and to, like, sit down with them in what you mentioned and kind of, like, bring that problem to them and see how they answer differently. I still use that as a analytical tool when I'm evaluating really hard decisions Mm -hmm. to try to, and again, we've been talking a lot about building these personas in our mind, but it helps you to be able to disconnect from your own natural patterns of thinking to think through problems differently. There's someone who's like, a clinical psychologist there's someone who's a startup founder there's someone who's like just a grinder who will get see anything to completion there's my mom there's like this the all these people have really different competencies and it helps you kind of think through well, how would that person answer that question for me like hey I'm, I'm dealing with this problem i don't know what to do i lost my job this is what i'm thinking how would they answer that question for me how would they give me advice and in that you can kind of see different routes that you may not have seen previously just through thinking through a different pattern of problem solving. Mm-hmm. The imagination's powerful, huh? Crazy. It's the key. Yeah. That's, that's the key. To think that that is an effect, like for someone who would come in with no knowledge of the mental world, you know, of, of how that works, that sounds like nonsense, but it works. It works. And I keep on bringing up some of the best things are illogical. Right. And that's, that's very true. Um, But the imagination is incredible. Just to kind of, I think it was Tolstoy, another Russian author who said um, spoilers for book written in like 1880. Uh, He was like, I was, I was just as shocked when Anna Karenina killed herself. Mm. You know, like he, he imagines, um, I think that's a character in his book. Yeah. I think, I think that was the quote. It was something like that. It's been like, almost two decades since I've read that book. So, I mean, I read that as like a 15 year old cause I was a crazy person. 
But, um, but I think that, you know, the imagination, you can literally create characters with their own internal motivations mm-hmm. and their own dreams, their own desires, their own identity. And you can use that in a creative way, like to write a book. You can use that in a therapeutic way, like an EMDR. You can, it's just unbelievable. That's, that's, there's actually no way to not do this. It's just the way that most people do it is they have an inner critic that is the loudest voice in their head that is, that is fed and is fueled by the energy of shame. And after enough time, they just assume that that's who they are. This is where people become depressed and anxious and um, so ultimately suicidal is that's the perspective that has the microphone. And over time, it's just because it's the loudest one. It's the one that forces their opinion most, most, um, you know, the squeaky wheel gets the grease and all that, that over time, we just assume that's who we are, Mm. but it's not. I think it's fascinating, man. I'm sorry. I cut you off. I think I cut you off. That's all I had to say about it. Well, I think it's fascinating. Again, going back to this idea of what is it like, what is writing fiction all about? And isn't it fiction truer than true? And, and what is this mechanism of story? And, and even, even, st- even making up stories, we hit, we still get to something that's truer than true. And I've heard that. I've heard that from a few different authors um, that the right fiction that they just kind of, they don't know where it's going, but they know how to get there. Like they, they just kind of start creating and then these characters form and then the characters start leading them and having a mind of their own and the writer just documents it. Mm-hmm. Such an interesting way to look at it. This is also what method acting is all about is the, the character comes from within the actor. Now it might even be based on a real person uh, in history, but the, the only way it works is in my understanding of method acting is you have to find something in there for yourself using your imagination and then embody it and become it. And the best method actors are not, are not the truest representation of the original person. If that's based on a historical character, Uh, but they are, they are the truest form of that person that they can express because they've gone deep within themselves Mm. to do it. It's an interesting question. There's an interesting thing to explore. And then the last thing I'll say is, excuse me if I've already brought this reference up, but Mr. Rogers, uh, if any of y'all saw that movie uh, with Tom Hanks playing him. I didn't. Um, I think it was from that movie or maybe it was a documentary I watched about him. But um, Mr. Rogers, when you go, uh, if, you, if, you've, if you remember, if you've ever seen the show, uh, you go into this place called, uh, it's not Neverland. It's like the, the land of make-believe, I think. Mm-hmm. And that little train car goes through the tunnel and then all of a sudden it arrives in this made-up land. Uh each of the characters in that land from the king to the princess to the, I think there's like a little like cat looking thing. Uh, it's been a while since I've watched the show, but those are it's all Katarina kitty cat. Excuse me. Katarina kitty cat. Yeah. That's her name. <laughs> Only reason because there's a kid. Show I was, I was of more of a Sesame street guy myself. Uh, but um, all of those characters are his childhood stuffed animals. I didn't know that. Yeah. So he was essentially a lonely kid that had to entertain himself. And so how he did that was he had these stuffed animals and he just started making up voices for them. Mm. And all of a sudden he wasn't alone anymore. 
And he found something so magical in that experience that he wanted to share it with other kids that might be feeling the same way. Now look what he's doing. He's a little kid projecting his personality into these stuffed animal, into these inanimate objects. Uh, and he's breathing life into them and therefore integrating with himself. How amazing. Good grief. That takes yeah. courage and just audacity to put yourself out like that. But you can feel it when you watch Mr. Rogers. There's something so, it's almost uncomfortable how sweet it is. Because you can tell it's coming from like such a place of genuine imagination and kindness. care and kindness yeah, like for other people. It's so rare. It, it, it is so rare. And you're right. It's almost, it's almost uncomfortable how kind he is because we don't see it in the world very often. And so it's weird. It's almost you want to doubt it. Like, and yet, right, what's wrong with this dude? And yet he can get on a New York subway with a bunch of people from all walks of life and they'll start singing his own song. To Absolutely. Him, you know, won't so you be my neighbor? There's something that calls out to us like this is the way it could be. Right. Uh -huh. Like this is the way we all could be. And I was thinking about this. The world needs who you could be. It may not need who you are right now. Does that make sense? And like, I don't, and I, I would say those are the same person. Right. But in a different but I see what you're saying in the yeah. in the through the scale of time. Right. Like be bold enough to start with yourself and become the person you could be because the world needs that person. Don't be complacent with standing in mediocrity right and i'm not talking about like i'm not even talking about just success i'm just talking about like like the success as the world defines i'm talking about just genuine you like the truth of who you are yeah if everyone you know lived up to their full potential what would that world look like and you can't control what the rest of the people in your life do but you can control you and that inspires others mr rogers him embodying the epitome of kindness and goodness and gentleness has inspired millions of other people, at least to a degree, to try to do the same. Yeah. And that's incredible. And you bring up a good point there that um, becoming who you are is the challenge. It's the invitation. That's the ultimate adventure. Uh, and we'll do the best we can, but it's not a guarantee that you get there either. You know what I mean? There's always going to be something unfinished in this place. Um, so you have this potential of becoming. It's kind of a going back to Michelangelo's block uh, that became David. Michelangelo had to see it. He had to cast the vision. He had to chip away at it. He had to experientially carve that that amazing statue out. And probably change from his original vision as he gets into it, right? Yeah, totally. And look into this. Um what if he got sick or what if he died in the middle of it? And then it would be like a half finished statue or what if he got distracted or found a new passion and just left It'd be like a half finished statue. And I think that's a good uh, metaphor for, for our life. And, and our job is to, to try to chip this away and become this thing. And I guess we're chipping away what doesn't belong maybe because mm. we already are this thing. Um, maybe only God can see can see what it looks like but there's this concept in in the bible 
about uh, the refiner's fire. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, when you hear the fire and brimstone, you know, when you hear that concept, you know, a lot of people kind of equate that with like the Baptist revival, like preachers, but that's kind of a misunderstanding of what's happening there. Um, in Revelation, it talks about the lake of fire filled with sulfur and brimstone. And there's actually like in the pot process of purification of gold, um, the sulfur helps p- purify, helps separate the metal from the other like blemishes, essentially whatever else. What, like if you have a block of gold, there's other minerals within that, right? And the sulfur, I can't remember the exact process, but it separates the gold from the extemporaneous stuff, right? And the brimstone is how you test the gold. Mm. Like you would strike it on the brimstone and it would leave some, it would create some sort of reaction to test if it was pure or not. And if it wasn't, it goes back in the fire. And so I think that it's, 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 um, refining, it's making, becoming pure and it's tested to make sure it is pure essentially. And I think that's what we have to do with our, our desire, Mm. you know, like if I'd had the courage to, to test it and realize like pay attention, going back to your original point, to pay attention and perceive enough to be able to test my desire and see if it was pure or not, to see if it was true. Mm-hmm. And if it's not, back in the fire. Let's yeah. refine this thing. Let's chip away. Like talking about Michelangelo's marble. Mm-hmm. We pull it out. We test it again. And once again, we're getting it wrong. We're getting it wrong over and over again. Like it's, oh, it's not, it's not there yet. Back in the fire. Let's, mm-hmm. let's refine this thing. Let's keep working. Let's keep chipping away. You pull it out, you test again. Oh, not not yet. Let's keep going. Yeah. And we we will probably never, ever in this life get to where it's perfectly pure. This is perfectly true. But it's the process of the refining and the testing that yeah. that begins to hone it. And then you can start becoming an inspiration to others to do the same, to find their desire, to find who they are. And I think that that's just a really really powerful vision of mm-hmm. finding out who we are, what we want, where are we going. We, we test it and we refine it. We test it and we refine it. The essential nature of a test. If, if you're not tested, it's not real. Mm. We don't, or maybe it could be real, but if it's not tested, we don't know. Right. And what is a test? You know, what most of us think about being in school and taking a test. Well, what is the purpose of that? Well, it's to put you under pressure to give you something difficult to do that's going to expose how well you understand the information. It's going to expose your weakness. That's what a test does. Or maybe a better analogy is uh, like a mechanic testing, like a the, how airtight like some some part of the car engine is or something like that. I'm totally exposing. I don't know much about car engines, but there are the hydraulic pressure or something like that. What a test is, is they, they feed a lot of pressure in there and then they're going to see you. It's going to expose the weak joints where things kind of, where it escapes. I can, I can add a, a real applicable blue collar scenario. So when you replace HVAC unit or an AC unit and you, uh, you pull out all the refrigerant, into a tank and then if if you're trying to figure out like is it leaking what's going on you will uh first pull out the refrigerant that it currently has and then you will fill it full of nitrogen and you'll over like pressurize it Mm -hmm. and you'll feed dye through it Mm 
and then you'll take infrared light and look through it and pushing all that pressure into it will force the dye out into and you'll see where the leaks are because it'll yeah. be like splattering everywhere and that that could be your that's example. it man <laughs> a test is pressure it's pressure that's what a test is we're gonna see how real this thing is how how integrous it is that's what a test is and so god tests us all the time thank goodness he does that uh, but it's usually always painful especially when we don't know it's a test this is where I, I really channel Jocko Willink in the in his good um, speech mm-hmm. that I'm at the point now, and sometimes I have to mask it because it's not always appropriate. But I'm at the point now where in psychotherapy, where a client will tell me something terrible that has happened, and I, I'm I'm personally on the inside like, good, good. I'm excited about this. This is going to expose things. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is going to test your integrity. This is going to challenge you to better thinking. Um. And so a test is actually an opportunity. It's a, it's a, it's a way to expose what needs to still be refined in the fire. And I love that. I love that analogy. And, um, yeah, a test is pressure. So, um, we always do want to be testing ourselves and how, how, um, how integrous we are, where are the, where are the weak spots that where it pops out? So when I'm under pressure in my life, what are the things that I go to? What are the behaviors that I do in order to kind of vent some of that as opposed to, let it pop, man. Let it pop so I can fix it, that kind of thing, so I can reinforce it, that kind of thing. So um, when people have mental breaks, when they have crisis points, when they have, you know, mental breakdowns or whatever they, people call it now, good. Welcome. Glad you're here. You might be breathing free air right now. This is what it feels like to breathe free air. Mm. Um, I think in in Christianity, it's so interesting, this um, this idea of like the fire burns away everything that doesn't belong. And it's just right into the language that we're using here that it may hurt because it's burning, but it's, it, it can only burn false attachments. Mm. It can only burn um, things that didn't never belonged, but you're holding on to. And the harder you try to hold on to it while it's burning away, the more it's going to hurt you. So I think that's, I think that's an interesting thing that the fire actually can't hurt us. It can only hurt the, the part of us. That's not us. The fire only helps us become who we it, it, the fire only helps us become who we really are mm-hmm. essentially yeah it burns away the parts that aren't a part of who it's we a are. purifying agent yeah. and one of my favorite uh, pieces of scripture is uh, the pure in heart see god that's why i say follow your conscience the pure in heart see god so if you want to see god which i've never met anyone whether or not they articulated this way that that wasn't true for um if you want to see god then you have to be refined you have to be pure and that's not some self-righteous, puritanical thinking. Uh, that is, uh, a purity starts with a gift. It's a gift. It's saying this is, this is bought and paid for. This is who you are. This is who you've always been. Now, some things have gone wrong, but don't worry. There's a plan. Um, but yeah, who are you? What do you want? Where are you going? Get after it. Yeah, so begin to actually, if you're listening, you know, don't just listen, participate and start by answering those questions. Who are you? Start putting it on paper. What do you want? Start putting that on paper. Refine that. Try to dig down and deconstruct what is what are those what is at the core of those desires, you know, of who you are and what do you want? Next week we will go over the third question. Where are you going? So I noticed the sun's coming up. Is this the time? This is the time. Jacob, can I, 
Can I say it this time? Do it. Who are you? What do you want? Where are you going? This is the 0400 podcast, the podcast for dreamers. Keep dreaming. Keep dreaming.